Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Be Honest. I'm your host, Just Jonda, and I am continuing with nonstop November, although let's face it, I've missed a couple of days, but hey, it's Thanksgiving. So I am here today to catch us up on something that's becoming one of our favorite shows, The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, season one, episode three. And of course they have titles for the show, but I give them my own. And for this one, I'm going with, is there something in the water? And today, even more exciting, I'm recording this particular episode live. So if there's any little blurps, you know why. And that is because I am having a special guest call in and um, she's kind of working out the mechanics now. So I hope that that works. Um, And her name is Sharita Palin. And she and I have known each other for many, many years. And so we're going to get into this show. So obviously we've got the review and everything coming up. So as I'm waiting on Sharita to call in, let's go with a little behind the scenes tea. Most of our behind the scenes tea, as you all know, has really centered around Mary Cosby. And I hate to beat a dead horse there. I will just say that the relatives are still coming out (laughs) fast and furious talking about her. One of the most credible, I think, especially because I did my own research on this person, was her cousin, who is uh, Dan, I think it's Dan Cosby. He is, uh, he's known as Coach Dan. He's a basketball coach, well-known award-winning AAU coach in the Utah area, and also a coach of several teams. Hello, Shibai Sheree. I think you've been in our room uh, before and uh, high spiritual as well. So um, he has talked a lot about this family. He did a great interview with a YouTube show that I like, uh, Up and Up with Adam, I think it's called. And he definitely got into the some of the things we know, of course, talking about her previous marriage, confirming what many of us knew. Not only did grandma not will her the husband or decide that she was supposed to be the heir apparent, but he and her uncle, in fact, uh, Mama Cosby's or Mama Redmond's only son, uh, they both confirm that there is there was no will to speak of. That's probably why there has been so much drama with all of this because they everything is about word of mouth so just a quick and dirty of this because again we talk about it all the time but this episode was very merry heavy so just want to give this background quick and dirty on what happened is that remember that robert cosby was married to the grandmother mama redmond or mama cosby whatever you call her um he was married to her and they 
throughout their marriage. And I don't think they were married a super long time, but a, a decent amount of time. And just in terms of the age difference, he was approximately 20 some odd years younger than the grandmother, just like he's about 20 years older than Mary. So he's kind of between the two. So when the grandmother died, she died at 66. He was in his early 40s. And then a year later, he married Mary when she was 22. Not sure when she uh, got married to her uh, first husband, Dana Harris, but she was married before. So when she talks, uh, so when she mentions that she was, um, when she mentions was with him and tries to make it sound like, oh, I was so nervous and this and that and the third. You're talking about somebody who had already been married for a number of years. And according to several of these people, well, uh, there are some concerns about some hate before that. Hello, Sharita. Hello, Jonda. I'm glad to have you on. So while we were waiting, and I think I saw you come in the studio, but it was a matter of you figured out how to connect. Um, yes. We were, I was just filling everyone in as, as you heard on some of the background. And um, because we know that this episode is very merry heavy and of course, a lot of continuing to sell this whole story about the grandmother and the mother. Now, there is some interesting tea as it relates to her mother. Uh, I heard they call her Rosie. Um, I can't remember if her name is like Roxanne or something like that. Cause the grandmother's name is Rosemary. So, but Mary's mother's name was com something like Roxy or Rosalind, something like that, but they call her Rock Rosie. Um, so uh, like R-O-Z-Z-I-E. So she was, as Mary said, it is true that she was the primary person that was dead set against the marriage. Whereas other relatives kind of hung back and I'm not sure if they hung back because they were hoping that Mary would help um, maybe hook them up, so to speak, but um, because everything was so messy, but there was, uh, she was the primary person, but one of the main reasons why she was the primary person, because now we're finding out about some ancillary characters. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. And guys, you can Google all of this. These cases are absolutely online. Okay, there is a woman. Now, she is not related, but she might as well be because she had more control over this than a little bit. There's a woman named Annie Lewis Johnson or Lewis Annie Johnson. But anyway, they call her Annie Johnson. Annie Johnson was uh, Grandma Rosemary's or, you know, Mama Redmond's um, private secretary. Did I talk to you about this, Sharita? Um, no, I didn't hear about her. No. Okay, so, all right. So, uh, yes, yeah, so you're going to get uh, Sharita's live reaction too. So, uh, she was her private secretary who, through a series of God knows what, then becomes COO. And remind, one of these days, I'm going to have to tell you about another secretary locally in a wild case here in in well, in Virginia, where I live. Uh, these these secretaries really shoot up through the <laughs> really manage to shoot up through the ranks. But at any rate, this woman. Uh, apparently at some point had to become fairly close with Robert Cosby, but clearly a lot smarter than him. So back to the holdings. 
at the time of Big Mama's death, we know that they had the church and she and Robert started the second church, right? So mm -hmm. they also had a restaurant, which Rosie primarily ran, uh, like a Southern food restaurant, which of course would probably do well there because, okay, how many black people could there have been? So of course people come, oh, let's get the Southern food. So they had a restaurant, a radio station, which actually her son, uh, Mama Redden's only son, he ran, and several other holdings, including a mortgage company. So you know stuff gets real hanky when you start talking about some mortgage stuff. So, and Sharita, you know from what you do for a living, things get real funky when you start talking about some church folks and some and, and somebody wrapped up in the church owns a mortgage company. Yes, Lord. So what ended up happening there was when she died, somehow Annie put a lot of the properties and the holdings under, I guess like sort of under the umbrella of the mortgage company. It was just a whole big mess. In fact, so much so that one of the judgments that is existing to this day, and this was a case that I just read. Um, I actually have it uh, on my phone. It was one of the more recent cases where, um, let's see, Cesares versus Cosby, and uh, uh, that Cesares case, Cesares is uh, the is Rosalind. So yes, I was right. Her name is Rosalind. Um, she is the personal. At this point, she has been made the personal representative of the estate, or at the point in this case. So back in two thousand one, she got a judgment against Robert Cosby and Annie Johnson. And um, as it relates to the mortgage company, got a judgment um, for $1.2 million because of squandering this, the estate and this mortgage company and all of this foolishness. And there are individuals who are alleging that there are church members who allowed mortgages to be taken out against their homes, which is part of the so-called big money that Mary and Robert, now these are allegations, of course, that Mary and Robert are leaving on because Robert isn't that great of a businessman. And quite frankly, does he look like it? <laughs> something about him when I see him just reads Duh. <laughs> so, so um, and, and that's actually what the cousin said and what the uncle said and mind you these were two completely separate interviews with two separate um, entities that uh, interviewers that I watched and then of course uh, had an opportunity, as Sharita knows I do, to take a deep dive and go into the court cases and stuff myself. And so if you want to look up this particular case, um, you can actually look it up. It's actually, I said 2001. It's, uh, if you look up 2000, the case was filed in the Supreme Court of Utah because this worked its way all the way up in November of 2001, but it's actually in, um, if you look up 2010 in the Brigham Young Law School Digital Commons, 
is listed there as well. Um, the actual brief of uh, that Rosalind uh, Cesar's attorney put in, but they did actually win that case. So it is just messy, but people don't necessarily like Rosie either because she took, uh, ultimately took half of the church and, you know, moved across town and called her church Mama's Faith Temple, whereas Mary and Roberts is just called Faith Temple. So the whole thing is just really messy. But the bottom line is, I would suspect if I had to project out how this is going to go, Mary Martha, as the family calls her, came on this show for the bag. She needed to get some money. And I would not be surprised if this marriage went the way of many housewives marriages by the time whatever her tenure on this show is over. I don't necessarily see it lasting. She's a lot younger than him. She's putting herself in her disturbing weaves out there, trying to be <laughs> a fashion plate. <laughs> okay, all of that. But we'll talk more about that when we come to it. Okay, Sharita, before we even get into everything, I'm sorry. what's the deal with the lace front? Well, it's not even the lace front because one of the episodes, I don't know if you called it, that the leave out that she had was not even laying down. I don't know what was going on with the leave out. I mean, so, but could we call that a leave out? Was it just that the wig was not sitting? Maybe it's just the wig is not sitting well, but it was actually jutting out. Like the front little piece it was clean out. out. I, I mean, like, I think it was episode right because yeah. we saw two but we actually we saw three bad wig situations because she went to dinner with Meredith so guys we're going to go a little out of order because we've got to address these units as one of my favorite YouTubers Alex uh, Alex Rogers always talks about we got to talk about the unit so and we got three bad units or it may have been the same unit but three bad placements in this one episode yeah so the way that i tend to like to do these reviews is talk about everything that happened with one character and then move to the next one it just seems to make more sense to me unless there's points where they uh connect and so um if uh, so, for those of you who are new to my reviews, that's that's the way I tend to do them so that there's more cohesiveness. You've watched the episode, so you don't need me to go thing by thing. So right now we're just going to focus in on Mary because her scenes are a little bit easier to wrap up because she didn't really interact which she didn't get into specific mess with other people. So initially when we're introduced to Mary, this episode, she is at dinner with Meredith. That was her first scene, I believe, right? Her and Meredith uh, went yes. to dinner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because she invited Meredith to her church, which I think was very nice and even nicer that Meredith was so excited about going. Um, and I, I, I think as Sharia and I were talking about right before we came on the air, I am finding myself, uh, and, and we'll certainly talk more about this in Meredith scenes, but here is where those, one of those moments where I'm finding myself liking Meredith a lot more than I thought I would. What do you think about Meredith, Sharita? I think I think she unfortunately falls under Lisa's it's like the Giselle slash Robin yes. thing that she's 
Lisa's a little bit of a Lisa lackey, which I hope she doesn't do that. I hope she creates her own character and stands strong. But unfortunately, she's a little bit of a weaker character. So she's being seen as Lisa's little lackey, similar to Robin with Giselle and everybody else with uh, yeah. what's her name? Yeah, yeah well, they and sort of also like a um like a Cynthia needy. Yes. Probably mm -hmm. not as yes. well well and I, I well, get no why friendship. there's no friendship contract, Robin. but <laughs> and, and I kind of get why you made the Robin Giselle uh comparison. And for those of you who maybe only watch this show, we're talking about Real Housewives of Potomac. And and I think you're right. I uh, versus I mentioned Cynthia in um Cynthia Nini from Real Housewives of Atlanta, but I'm gonna pull that back a little bit because I think that Cynthia's character wasn't even Although she's coming into her own now, but Lord, it took a long time. Cynthia's yes. character wasn't so much a Nini, a lackey or apologist like Robin is. She was literally like under her thumb to the point of aggravating. Um, yes. Whereas Robin, I th you're right. I think the comparison is probably a little closer to Robin because I don't necessarily get weak from Robin, I just think that she is so intent on being that ride or die for her yes. friend that she pushes the bounds of being a good friend to the point where she does end up looking like a lackey. But I don't feel like she has a a weak sense of self. Now, when it comes to her no. husband, that's a whole other conversation we'll have for another day. You know that now exactly. that other power dynamic there. That you know, if we want to talk about whether or not she has a weak sense of self when it comes to him, okay. But yes, so I agree. I think it's and then the thing that's interesting with Meredith is that when I look at her compared to these women, and I think part of it too is that she she is noticeably, although not in a bad way, she's very beautiful, that she's noticeably older than them. I definitely got sort of a, um, again, in referring to the other shows, sort of the matriarch. But again, yes. I'm not saying that because I'm she's old and, you know, or anything like that. But just the big sister. She, uh, the, the one who is the voice of reason. Um, the one that they are supposed to aspire to, right? The classy one who's not going to get down and dirty into the mud uh, with everybody. Again, like I said, I think that if I had to pick a character that she probably is, would aspire to be, it would be like the Lisa Vanderpump. And, and it, it stands out to me too, because you know, the dark hair and all of that. Um, what, do you, what do you think about that comparison? Oh, definitely. She's like every most of them do have like the Karen Huger of Potomac, Lisa mm -hmm. Vanderpump, but more of a Lisa Vanderpump because Karen has allowed the women to sometimes bring her down to their level, yeah. which this, no, this season, this season she's holding. Really yeah, no, that's why Lisa never refused to get down to stoop to their level. She maintained a certain level of dignity. Well, that's, that's what makes Lisa Vanderpump. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's what they because she wouldn't come down to their level exactly. um, although it's a i'm about to quote a character i absolutely cannot stand it applies in this instance when mariah from married to medicine said i will not come down off my chariot yes now as we know that chariot did. only she in did. her head because right. <laughs> season one she was fighting in the swimming pool so with her mother hitting um the girl in the head uh hitting um, with a purse, in the head purse <laughs> boy in the head with the purse so clearly yeah, she so came off her chariot it. for that moment yeah we know that she does not stay on the chariot but for the purposes of this conversation, I absolutely think that Meredith is a, I'm not coming down off my chariot like Elisa Vanderpump and really won't. And yes. push come to, comes to shove kind of like Lisa was always accused of doing, probably would not be above having somebody else do her dirty work, but she's definitely not gonna get her hands dirty. Um, exactly. And even with the Lisa with the Lisa thing, I think that she again in looking at her interaction with these women, I think that the ones that she seems to be friends with, she genuinely cares about. And so I I think that she and Lisa have a genuine friendship. So she wanted the other ladies to only see the, the Lisa she sees. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh -huh. um, yeah, you know what I mean? I don't think now because Lisa is so incredibly intolerable to me and to you, it, uh -huh. you know, it kind of sticks in your craw that somebody who we're kind of starting to warm up to seems to have such affection for her. But yeah, I don't I don't know if I would. Um, again, I like it. Like we said, it's more of the Robin. She just she just rides for her friends. Um, yes. It's, okay. a, it's, it's a loyalty. It's a loyalty to a fault, but it's a loyalty. Yeah, but clearly from what we saw with Jen, she is not going to get off her chariot, although not in this episode, because I think she did ride for Jen during this episode um, at her house, but later, you know, but of course, as we saw the previews for next. Now, we were talking about Mary, and we got off on Meredith, but you know, that's what we do. Well, yeah, Mary went to Meredith. Um, yeah, Meredith went to Mary's church, which I think what I think it was for her to be open to such a different religion culture. I mean, we've all seen pictures of black churches, so I think and this for is her to be open, Pentecostal at that. And I am sure that given the um, what we are seeing to be the notoriousness of this family and at the very least the um sort of fame i guess or the the myth of fame of notoriety of that comes mama, with them yes, the notoriety there you go of mama redmond if it may not even necessarily mary but just Mama Redmond, I'm sure that there are things that people have said about this church. If you have former church members themselves who call it uh, cultish, then I am sure that these are things that um, other people have heard. Like any other area, especially when you're dealing with people of a certain social class and whatever, your town is very big, but very small. 
Exactly. People of certain in any town, people of certain social classes, if you don't all necessarily know each other, your circles tend to revolve adjacent to one another enough that you know people's business or you hear the rumors. Just like clearly Lisa doesn't roll hard with Whitney, but she is Whitney adjacent enough to know that there are rumors so much so that she threatened her with them. Exactly. Or as I said, when I talked about this last week, she warned her with them. <laughs> so that is definitely, um, so let's get back to Mary. Okay, so they had this dinner that was, uh, it, it seemed to be very cool. And the dinner was the beginning, at least for the purposes of this episode, since it was clear that this was going to be the episode where we did Mary's deep dive uh, and not all the stuff we already know off screen, but the Bravo TV version of Mary's deep dive. So as we saw, Mary began to spin that yarn at dinner where she told, you know, they, they kind of introduced it, which I thought was in a very organic way where they introduced it in terms of her talking mother to mother. Hi, Tessie, where they introduced it talking mother to mother about, um, about her son. And of course, something that Meredith can identify with, certainly something that uh, any mom, I have a son of a certain age that uh, I can identify with. So they started to talk about that. I thought that that, again, great conversation. It's, you know, these are some of the things we do want to see from our housewives. Everybody doesn't have to be dropping bows all the time. Exactly. We want to see them looking fabulous, having fabulous meals, but also showing that they're still kind of human. Uh, we we want to see that. I mean, that's really the essence of what these shows are supposed to be about. That's why we watch, um, you know, the biggest child birthday parties. Remember that show that used to be the bomb? So... <laughs> I think, uh, and I think Bravo did that show. So, I mean, it, that's what this is supposed to be about. And of course we know it's kind of devolved into something else and we buy into that too, but we want to see fabulous people being who being fabulous. And, you know, Mary kind of brought that down a little bit because that unit was not fabulous. Mm. It was horrible. <laughs> I found myself staring at it. I mean, I literally, as you know, screenshot it. <laughs> I just couldn't believe as it. As quoting my boy Dwight, it was dreadful. It was it dreadful. It was dreadful. dreadful. <laughs> I mean, it was like, it, I mean, this is where you, you know, there's times when obviously these shows break the fourth wall. But I must say, Bravo tries to do um, and probably does a better job than most of not breaking the fourth wall. And one of the times when you can tell that they they really try hard not to is that not one person in production said, look, let me fix that for you. Exactly. I you mean, got brush. You got comb. <laughs> let me just comb that down a little bit. You got a little glit, wig glue. Maybe it looks like just the front was pulling back, but maybe the lights. Cause she, I don't, oh my, she, I don't no, know. No, that wasn't a light because it was just he, right out. I'm looking at the picture right now. <laughs> I, I was looking at I saw it the other night too because I was still trying to figure out like no, and that's the first thing I thought was, okay, so nobody told her to comb down the front of her hair. Like she don't look at a mirror between takes or when something goes 
it was like that when she first sat down. I know. <laughs> I think they like to show her looking because the bad unit plays into the strangeness of her character. So I it think they really purposely let her that's do it. The mm-hmm. thing. Above and beyond, let's talk about that. Above and beyond this whole thing about, you know, I married, you know, I married my grandpa, which makes her her own step grandmother. So yeah. literally she's her own grandma. Um if we if we put that on the shelf, <laughs> which is hard to do, um, there is an oddness about her. The face, very odd. Odd. Yeah. The just it, it is very strange. Now the way she speaks, the way she carries herself, there's just everything about it is very odd. Mm. I mean, now. Obviously, there are the larger things like the fact that we have pictures that show that at one point she literally looked like she could have been a stand in for uh, Candy Burris in Escape in 1994. And now she looks like she could be a stand in with a chromosome or two missing for Latoya Jackson. But, you know. I, and who knows, maybe the skin bleaching did it. I don't know. <laughs> or the shaving down of the nose. I don't know. But there or is. Having a- all her gla- don't forget the glands being removed because oh, of the sweating. So all her glands are removed. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't know, but it is odd. And the funny thing is, she. it's almost like she wants to have this nasty persona like remember when episode one when she was all funky towards Jen and was just like well I mean who cares and then that awful comment that she made when you're supposed to be an evangelist and first lady because remember we're not she's not just the first lady she's first lady by marriage but technically she is actually it's, it's a, considered to be some type of evangelist or preacher at yes. that church. Mm-hmm. So it's she- one thing to be the first lady and a shady first lady at that, but that's not really the, the her primary role. Her primary role in that church is attempting to be the second coming of her grandmother in the evangelist slash minister role. That is what we saw her doing. Well, that's what she's supposed to be part of Soul Saving Nation. However, it doesn't appear when you're cursing people out that that's the case. <laughs> well, and, and then the comment about, you know, well, she obviously wasn't eating right and didn't drink enough water. I mean, so, but the thing, the reason why I say it's odd that she wants to deliberately have this nastier persona is that when you see her for instance, with Meredith. And even when she was at the dinner table with the ladies where she didn't say very much, she just kind of made weird faces, almost like some of the things that were being said were kind of shocking to her. And even when you saw her with her family, I mean, you know, she was a little funky with the husband, but I mean, I I didn't take that as anything other than 
typical husband wife thing. And he seemed to be very good natured about it. So it sounds like that's, it seems like that's just their sort of quasi playful dynamic. Like, okay, my wife acts funky sometimes and I tease her and call her Miss Mary. So I didn't take anything terribly negative from that because he certainly seemed to be pleasant enough. Um, Like it, 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 in fact, if, not for being totally turned off by the family dynamic of it in terms of the whole grandpa thing, it would have almost been kind of cute, right? I mean, didn't he seem like, you know, a typical playful guy that's like, oh, there's my wife being that way again. So let me just, you know, rib her a little bit and call her Miss So-and-so to get on her nerves or, you know, there she is being too overbearing about our son and I'm just going to listen to it, blah, blah, blah. Um, they, they seem to be a typical married couple to me. In fact, uh, I, the situation didn't even seem as sort of, even the way that she made it sound to Mary, it, I mean, to Meredith, she almost made it sound like they were one of those the couples who had hit that point where, oh my God, my child's going to be going off to college in a year or two. And then we've got to decide whether we're going to fish or cut bait because we don't talk or we don't laugh or we don't, I didn't get that from them at all. No. Mm -mm. You know, I, again, if it wasn't for that underlying that, you know, um, is just, I don't think any of us are ever going to get over and I'm fine with that. Um, you know, they seem kind of cute. And then you just go, But anyway, because at the end of the day, related or not, this dude boned your grandmother, and I can't get over That's what we can't get over. Like, every time you think about it, like, you're sleeping with a man that slept with your grandmother. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And again, if you look at the pictures of them together back in the day, especially considering that he was in his early 40s, um, you know, not a bad looking dude, you know just not necessarily my cup of tea but you and I have several friends that like that type and you know what I'm saying and so mm-hmm. he definitely would have gotten the date and so um you know it, because it's you know 40 year old brother it, even one that's little on the light side still ages better than the others Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, and, and again, you look at the dude, he there's not a wrinkle on him now. And he's no, he's still he's aged well for it to be in yeah. his sixties, he looks good. Uh, not even mid-sixties. He's gotta be like 66, 67. He's probably the age now that grandma Redmond was when she died because they've been married for twenty-two years. I mean twenty-one That's true. years. And actually probably twenty-two or so now because this was all done in twenty nineteen. This show has actually been in the can for over a year now. That's why uh Andy promoted it so much because it's been there. They have just been saving it for just the right time. And then of course with the pandemic going on, they've been doing a lot of programming, uh, scrambling to sort of spread out the new stuff that they already had so that every single show that you watch isn't people wearing masks, which I understand because, you know, you want to break from that, especially when we watch reality TV, which is, you know, we know it's ridiculous. So the last thing you want to see is real life. 
um, mm-hmm. in which I'm sure we'll see, because we're definitely going to see that to a certain degree on um, Housewives. Atlanta. Because, Atlanta oh, yeah. showing it, yeah. Because mm-hmm. Atlanta recorded this summer and they have literally moved the premiere schedule up five months. Because uh, Atlanta, you know, doesn't come on until the spring. Atlanta is coming on uh, the second week in December. They're not even finished filming Atlanta yet. And it's going to air second week in December. So that's going to be very interesting. And how they edit it and the storylines and all of that is going to be interesting. Because part of us getting a good storyline is them having like six months to put stuff together and, and make it so um, I think this is going to be a make it or break it season for Atlanta. And Lord knows I hope they make it because if they don't, Nene is going to be like, ah! Okay, you know? I know. <laughs> Although she well, was barely there last season. So, girl, like, you know, but. Well, that's what happens when you get a million dollars per episode. We're just going to cut down the episodes you appear in. That's and- all. There you go. Well, not a million per, but over a million for over what she did do. What she does, yeah. And she wasn't, you know, and she wasn't there. So, but anyway, back to this. So, yeah. So she's very odd. Now, um, mm. it, it, yeah, it, and that's very strange. Could you imagine going to her for counseling? Not at all. She couldn't counsel me on anything. God bless her. Well, exactly. And then you, you know, can preach to me, mention, but you couldn't counsel me. Not mention the fact that there's no degree, there's no whatever. This is very, uh, and again, is another thing you and I talked about because of the way that we grew up. Now, uh, for those of you who listen to me, you know I grew up in New Jersey, and Sharita and I, she, we, she is uh, on one of my oldest friends list. Not that she is old, but our friendship is, and so um, we grew up in the same area and uh, went to college together, etc. So been friends for like, I guess it's damn like going 30 on thirty years. years. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so um, we thirty one uh, years. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, we grew up in a city where uh, the it, at the church, if there was somebody who passed or decided, oh, they're going to preach one day, they end up, uh, you know, just I don't even know what they do. But ultimately, they sort of, I guess, kind of study under the pastor. I don't know what they do. Yeah, they, they're, they're ministers, per se. That's why you'll hear somebody be called a minister well, until they're ordained. Yes, they but they called. study under they could call. They had a calling, so they studied under the pastor. I've noticed yeah, usually. You could be twelve so, years old, and you know, end up be called. And then they call it your trial sermon, and then mm-hmm. that whole thing, and they have a big ceremony and whatever. But and and some will go to divinity school later because they realize, hey, I really don't know a whole lot except getting up there and saying he woke me up this morning and started me on my way. Um, but, uh, they, but that's, that is obviously the type of thing that went on here. And in this case, even more so because she pretty much just married it. In fact, according to the cousin, not only was she not the quote unquote chosen one by mama Redmond, but she had basically been cast out so her and mama redmond weren't even cool day lie at the time when mama redmond died according to both the cousin and the uncle so i don't know, I don't know what calling <laughs> well maybe her her now husband 
maybe he saw a, a divine spirit on her that the rest of the family didn't see clearly. Mm-hmm. I don't well, he, he saw something. Well, I don't think it was the divine spirit. He saw okay. the divine spirit. You know, <laughs> there was definitely the laying of hands. Mm-hmm. Hands <laughs> were laid. Hands were definitely laid on from both sides. Now that whole thing about going before the church to get rid of her ex-husband because supposedly he asked her to perform unclean acts and those unclean acts being oral sex, girl, bye. Yes, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, I was like, when did that come up? Oh, oh yes. Oh. I'm waiting on someone to track down Dana Harris because I tell you what, the, he is—he is probably if he's not negotiating the big interview, then he needs to start because unlike everybody else who's just going on this blog or that blog and just sharing information, people will absolutely pay for his because you got to remember most people other than those who are getting side information don't even know that she was previously married let alone that homie is just out there roaming around so yeah, yeah so anywho and granted it was 21 years ago maybe he doesn't want anything to do with this and because if he was around the same age as her he's probably in her 40s now he may be married and moved on with his life so Maybe a new career that he doesn't want to be associated with this. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I respect that as well. But, you know, hey, professor, but if uh, he wants some cash, there's some uh, to be made. Okay. So anyway, we know that there's a whole thing. They tried to give us a little of her home life. As Sharita and I said, it, you know, it seemed typical uh, just a mom going through it because the son has a girlfriend and he's kind of pulling away from mom. You know, it, it, you're, I don't think there's anything that isn't uh, typical no. about that. But we get to her church. I did like the fact that Whitney's father seemed to be genuinely touched. And, mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily mean that I liked it just because, oh, he's touched by going to a black church. No, I just feel like when someone needs something, you just never know where they're going to get it. And the fact that he and Whitney, especially Whitney, seem to be so genuine in searching for something to really help him. Um, it's, it's just nice to see that he goes someplace and he's open to whatever help comes his way. And I, I just thought that was pretty cool. Um, you know, it just kind of, I think to me that said more about them than the church itself. I mean, because seeing Mary up there twirling around and a weird voice and all of that was a little off-putting to me as the watcher, but they were there obviously for the entire service. And because he was genuinely looking for something, for all we know, especially with the magic of editing, what he may have also been feeling was the power of other people in there being so loving and open and welcoming to him, just as, you know, someone who looked a little different and looks like, and he looks like he's been through some things. Um, Mm -hmm. So I, I, I felt like 
the it and when all is said and done, the spirit that he and her went into the building with, whatever they may have gotten out of it, seemed to be very genuine. And um and, and that was nice to see. Um and, and I just find that his the scenes that uh Whitney has had, she's another character that I really like. Yeah, she's very likable. She is genuine, I mean, very genuine, yeah. very sweet. Yeah, the voice can be, you know, whatever. But I also think that they, um, uh, it, they are kind of looking at her. You know how they say kindness for weakness with her? It's looking at that voice for weakness. No, Whitney's got some ish with her. Well, clearly, um, her whole background, her backstory, yes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. backstory oh, absolutely. Too. I mean, because whether you like what they did or not, I mean, she she had to display a little boldness and strength to just say, I mean, it is what it is. I'm in love with him. He's in love with me. And because we're not just talking about upsetting people um, in the traditional sense that people around you are going to be upset um, because of what they did, but this is going against an entire way of life um, mm -hmm. as it relates to her family and a potential loss of everyone and everything. Um, not just your basic couple of people upset type of thing because of the community that they're a part of. Although, just as a quick aside, and I may have mentioned this last week, but because Heather keeps saying it, I think is worth mentioning. Whitney has said that what Heather said is incorrect, even though they're cousins, that she is incorrect. She and, well, I don't know if she said she and her husband, but she was not excommunicated when everything went down. She knew that it wasn't going to go over well, so she left. So, you know, it, it's kind of like you're going to be fired, so you quit first <laughs> kind of thing. But technically you weren't fired. <laughs> exactly but she quit first which means yeah. which for her means like you know she which is why she says that she's still on the fence about whether or not she would try to go back into the church not necessarily living within that community but is going back to the church because clearly she wants some kind of faith in her life because her father needs help. And one of the things that they do in addition to rehab is go try to find a church. So that's clearly very much embedded in her. So, oh, um, yeah, so that the whole church thing, we get it. We all know how we feel about that. Like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to look to you for spiritual leadership. So next we have um, Meredith, since we were on, we talked about Meredith earlier, Meredith, her kids and Mary. We had like sort of the obligatory goofy scene where Meredith apparently makes a margarita but doesn't put the lid on. Okay, whatever. I you're you're a businesswoman. I don't think you're that dumb. So I'm glad they didn't waste any time on it. She said it and ha ha, you know, whatever. Um and let's talk about our eighth housewife. And for those of you who may be <laughs> this, you will notice that there are six physical housewives on the show. I call the Mormon church the seventh housewife because it factors so prominently in this series. And I don't say that facetiously. I do feel like that is its own entity in this show. 
um, it, it really, it, it, in a, it, not in a bad way, it's, it makes the show even more interesting. I think it gives the show another element that the other shows don't have other than just, you know, bullshit the women does. It, it gives, to me, it gives the show layers. Um, but the wannabe eighth house, housewife is, da-da-da-da, Sharita, tell us who the eighth housewife wannabe is. Brooks. Brooks, the wannabe, oh, yes. the yes, the wannabe eighth housewife who allegedly left school to th- spend the semester with his mother because his father was away so much, um, which was not new. But um, I think, in light of what unfolded, the um, it, it he kind he's able to carry on that dialogue. But as we know. Um, Brooks also is trying to launch a fashion line and clearly wants to be a part of this show. And after the first episode, everybody was all about Brooks, right? It was Brooks this, Brooks that, Brooks was so fabulous in the car and, you know, that whole thing. I didn't really care one way or the other. I mean, if you're going to have side characters, you want them to be interesting. I mean, it like Real Housewives of Atlanta became famous because of his pocket gaze. We had uh, Dwight, and ever so often you'd have Lawrence. Um, you'd have what's the name? Lawrence. Yeah, uh, Miss Lawrence, Lawrence and uh, Mr. J. Yeah, so you had your side characters. That's what made it exactly. so fun. You know, it, and, uh, and unfortunately, the way the Real Housewives of Atlanta treated them, they were like their pocket gays. Um, mm-hmm. And in uh, Married to Medicine, they never had their gay male friends on there, but it was almost like a phantom in the room because Mariah and Quad talk about talk like have adopted the speech of black gay men from Atlanta. So well, they also still were good friends with um, Rico LaChapelle, remember? Yes, Rico was a good absolutely. friend of theirs. But you didn't see him on the show as much. No, he made Dwight. little bits appearances, but not like Dwight and Lauren. I mean, the and, first couple of yeah. seasons of Atlanta, Dwight was truly like a cast member. another yeah. character. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, it, and he may have at least once or twice gotten to the point where he may have had at least one or two confessionals. Oh, he did, definitely. The one um, had a few. It was dreadful. Exactly. And of course, as we know, uh, it boosted Miss um, Lawrence and Mr. J so mm-hmm. much that they ended up with their own show. Yep. So, which I actually really liked. I could have cared. I love that fashion show. I, I, I'm yeah. so sad when Bravo took it off. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know, I could care less about uh, what's her name, although I know people love her. You know, the, the woman that's with him. I keep forgetting her name. Um, I follow her on Instagram, and I don't know why I'm I freezing do, on her name but, either. Um, and I know people love her, but quite frankly, I was fine with just Lawrence and Jay. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, I would love to see them on the fashion police, but yes. you know, Miss Lawrence is doing big things, honey, because Miss Lawrence played the hell out of his role on um, Star. On oh, Star. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, I he did. I thought he did. Mm-hmm. And um and and Miss Lawrence can sing. I think Miss yes, he just, can. Just needs that right hit and Miss that right song. Yes, playing the clubs. Yep, playing the clubs. Miss Lawrence to me is is like it's, you know could be like Sylvester reincarnated. Yes. 
Yes. And got the voice, the vocal range, all of it. In fact, remember, he even sang uh, You Are My Friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, uh, obviously we love those characters, but <laughs> back to this and, and clearly could care less about Brooks since we just talked about the characters. Yeah, before. no, I'm, um, I, I haven't. I'm maybe Brooks will grow on me, but right now I, I think they're giving him too much of a feature. I'm not appreciating it, but somebody else might. Well, no. and, and I think that I would have been fine with Brooks if not for, um, Okay, I'm not sure if this is one name or not, but I'm gonna say it the way it's the way it looks. Hello, Jabin Sombrano. So, <laughs> at any rate, I um I don't know. It, I I was very turned off by him this episode, and I, so we're gonna get into that. So Jen goes to see Meredith. We once again see Jen getting out of her car. It, Jen's got some shoes. I just oh, don't yeah. her wearing them in the snow. But Jen has got, her shoe game is everything. So she comes to see uh, Meredith looking cute as usual, because I'm, I'm all about uh, Jen in the clothes. Uh, they're always overdressed for every moment, but if they're cute, screw it. So <laughs> she comes, she visits her girlfriend. Once again, she's wearing her heels in her snow. Her assistants have to practically carry her into the house. And they just have some girlfriend time. They again are both lonely in their own way. Jen, because her husband, because of what her husband does, and we know that's she. She lives the wife, uh, lives the life of any, as they call them, football widows. Mm -hmm. and, and um, and in her case, she is a football widow even longer than football season because. Her husband is a coach of a major program, which means he makes big money because we know that those coaches of the major programs make cake, which yes. means he's got to recruit the right people to keep his program the way it is. Because as we also know about those big time coaches, they will fire their asses at the drop of a dime and university yes. so much money. They don't care about paying off your contract, but they will get rid of you. If you're not getting wins, we're going to get rid of you. Yes, mid-season. They'll pay you off. Mid-season. Yeah. They'll get rid of you mid-season and make the assistant coach um, acting coach. So we know that. Yeah. They'll, wow. they'll pay you off, um, you know, whether it's whatever is in your contract or depending on what it is, they'll give you the money. Uh, you hear about that all the time. Oh, so-and-so still got the rest of their $5 million, but your ass ain't got no job. So, um, so, and nobody wants to be without a job. So anyway, her husband is doing what football coaches do and she is doing what football widows whose kids are grown up doing, trying to find something to do. And so as we saw in this episode, Jen pretty much went friend hopping and visiting and hell, that's what I would do too. If I got money and fabulous, I'm gonna go see my friends. Like, hey girl. So you got nothing else to do. Might as well <laughs> look. And in the and, and in the case of her friends, they're kind of in the same boat as her. I mean, Meredith's lonely, Heather's lonely and pitiful. Although I love Heather and would hang out with her, she was kind of pitiful. So <laughs> she went hung with Meredith. I'm assuming I can't remember if she already knew that Meredith and Seth were separated. I, I feel like she did. Or maybe Meredith told her, but again, it's, you know, they talked about having a slumber party and being there for one another. And that's why I said it does appear that Meredith is genuinely friends with these people. Hey, Dre, 13127. 
So at any rate, they uh, decide to have this. Jen is uh, talking about high kicks because, again, they're talking about this 1920s party, which I thought was adorable in the speakeasy. I think Whitney did everything right. Of course, there would have been strippers and stuff in the speakeasy. Screw you, Lisa. We're talking about places of ill repute doing prohibition. So everything that you're not supposed to do would be going on. Duh. Exactly. It might have been for less dancing as opposed to a pole, but if you think it wasn't hoes in there, then use a lie. Hey, class one probe. <laughs> so I mean, it was you know what I'm saying. Is a speakeasy doing prohibition? Of course, there was hoes. So anyway, they're talking about all this stuff, and and so this is where it gets a little weird with Brooks acting all prudish. We see where there was clearly choppy editing where suddenly Jen goes from saying, I'm not going to do high kicks because you'll probably see my vagina. Cause I guess that was an, an allusion to the fact that she wasn't wearing any underwear to her doing high kicks that were clearly in the complete opposite direction from where he was sitting. Because I guess, Brooks didn't realize that Bravo had done a wide shot of the room and we saw where he was sitting versus where Jen was kicking. Did you see that? Yes. She and she was kicking towards the couch. Like, so even if you were sitting on the other side of the couch, you wouldn't have seen it. She knew what she was doing and she was being deliberately modest because she was conscious of the fact that she would have exposed herself. But the reason why I said it was clearly uh, odd editing just to get that moment so that Brooks reaction this moment mm -hmm. is because of the fact that the, the giveaway was where she said, um, thanks for sharing, class one, was where she said, um, she was saying grinder, grinder. We know that grinder is like a website that's like Tinder, but primarily for gay men. There was no conversation whatsoever that made sense for Grinder to just start because she said something about the high kicks. They went on with what they were going to wear to the party, and then suddenly she's kicking in the opposite direction, saying Grinder. So bad editing, in my opinion, just built around giving Homie a moment, and the moment that he got was whack. Because then he starts saying, oh, she showed me her vagina and me and my sister needed to leave. And even when you heard the sister say, oh, my God, if you notice, it was a voiceover. They didn't actually show her say it. So when did she really say it? And it was so, creative editing. That was one of their creative editing moments. Yeah. And she, and, and, but to be fair, she may have actually said it, but it still wasn't under... It wasn't in the way that context. Yeah, that it, it's context because I know that if me and you, because my daughter's thirteen, and it, well, as you know, and she's at that age where everything that I do or say is ridiculous, even if there's nobody in the room but me and her. So <laughs> I know that if I had one of my girlfriends over, hell, or even me and you, somebody she's known her whole life, and the, and I started kicking or you started kicking, and it, she would have been like, oh, give me a break. Like, <laughs> but it wouldn't have been because she's offended. Is because she thinks that I'm ridiculous just on GP. <laughs> so just because she's 13. So, exactly. 
Um, so when he d decides to say to his mother, oh, and you're not spending the night at her house or she's not coming here anymore and she's disgusting and blah, 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 blah. I was like, oh, okay. So you're not going to be fun. You're just going to get on my nerves because Jen can be a lot, but boo, you don't get to, uh, number one, you don't get to dictate anything. And two, you definitely don't do that. And and to be honest, you probably shouldn't even try that with Jen because Jen's got some mean Twitter figures. Oh, yes, she does. Because after week one with the Mary thing, Jen put a picture on Twitter of what looked like uh, Robert holding Mary when Mary was a little girl and said then, and then a picture of them uh, on the show and said now. <laughs> yeah. So Jen plays no game. She's not like, you know, on the constant, you know, Donald Trump Nene Twitter plan, but she she definitely uh, give you a nice big hit, you know, jump in and jump out. I don't know if I've really even seen uh, Mary, anything that Mary has done. I have, I did not even see, uh, I didn't see if she had a page to follow because, um, you know, just for the purposes of this, just in case anything good comes out, I like to check them out, but I didn't, I don't recall seeing anything uh of Mary's I don't even know if there was anything of hers to follow but uh but Jen is active Heather is very active in fact Heather has uh liked both my first and second episode of reviewing the show on Instagram and so they are definitely watching for who's watching and um, are interacting with the fans, which is nice. And um, Whitney is very active as well because it was on Twitter where she said that she corrected Heather about the whole um, excommunication thing. So that's pretty much with Meredith. We just kind of got to see that she, it, it, again, other than Brooks sort of being uh, annoying us a bit, we just got to see that a, a, a side of Heather, that, I mean, I'm sorry, of Meredith that goes back to what Sharita and I were saying earlier, that she seems to be likable. She seems to be kind of um, the big sister and in, in certainly not wanting to deliberately engage in any drama. And we see even from the preview of next week where she used those exact words with Jen at the party. She's like, I'm, I'm just not going to engage in this further. She didn't raise her voice, nothing. She's just like, yeah, this is a you problem, not a me problem. <laughs> and you just got up. And I'm not mad at that, especially if we're in public. Now, once we have our obligatory housewives dinner, foolala, <laughs> you know, as Funky Dineva calls it, or what were they calling it on Basketball Wives? Remember, they were calling that their Ponderosa. Yeah, the Ponderosa. <laughs> yeah. Once once we have our obligatory Ponderosa, then we can do whatever. But I'm certainly not going to be in these streets clowning for y'all. And quite frankly, if I can help it, I'm not even going to do it at the Ponderosa because it's being filmed and the rest of the world is going to be judging me for clowning here with y'all. So I'm just going to Vanderpump it up and that's just how we're going to do it. 
So next we go to Heather. Heather's stuff was fairly simple. To me, Heather's scenes were really all about the fashion. Um, a little sad in the beginning. So long short, we know that Heather has um, her, gosh, I forget the name of it, but she's got that cool plastic surgery place where clearly she is making a mint because these folks love doing crap to their faces. Uh -huh. and, and clearly they're doing a lot because she, my understanding is she has 20 employees total but five of that 20 are pregnant at the same time, uh, you know, fairly young women all do with boys. Again, besides something in the water that's a little kooky with Mary, there's something in the water clearly at that clinic. Like if you have a uterus, you need to be careful going there and don't drink anything they give you. Take your own stuff. So, <laughs> is your phone ringing? <laughs> Hello? Sharita. Sharita. I'm here. I'm sorry. My phone started ringing. Yeah, I know. I forgot to tell you that you're probably going to have to turn it off because I'm next. I'm hearing an echo now. How could you talk again? Yes. Can you hear me now? Okay. It's perfect. Yeah. Okay, no, okay. So anyway, uh, so what happened then was um, you know, she decided to throw a bridal shower, I mean a baby shower in all white. I'm thinking bridal because of all the white gave them all what was it white range rovers super cute shower was adorable um i think the only real real moment we got there um was early on in the episode when she was planning the shower and she and jen had a conversation about marriage and you know and, and i think it really stems obviously from the fact that she's lonely and i think in this conversation, we got even more insight into Heather, probably even some measure of insight into why she has such an issue with not with feeling like she is not seen by uh, everyone in the group, particularly the Lisa thing. I don't think now in looking at it holistically, it is all about as Lisa would want it to be about wanting Lisa to notice her, I think it's really about her just not being seen. I think her husband leaving her fed into an insecurity that she clearly already has, especially in feeling like she's never truly been in love. And if you feel like you've never truly been in love, then the inverse and the obvious inverse of that is you probably feel like no one has ever truly loved you as well. What do you think? About oh that? yeah, I definitely agree on that. Yeah, and I, I think that when you have this person who is somewhat a part of your friend group or whatever and you do make it make an effort to be the fun one the one that everybody likes to be around you money is certainly not no object or whatever so it's not like anybody can say oh you're you don't have what the rest of them have that's far from the truth in fact from what despite what lisa tries to put on it from what it appears Seems like Heather probably has more going on financially than Lisa, especially given her Mormon lineage and the, you know, being married to somebody with big money because she's got the business and she's got daughters who are minors. So we know there's got to be some checks coming. But child support there somewhere. Yep. Some. 
So uh, let's let's not pretend that uh, she is anywhere near uh, anywhere near poor. And um, she's so anyway. And I, I was on another page and a woman says she lives there. She's been to that plastic surgery center. Lisa is really not there. And obviously, because Lisa's not like a medical professional, she just owns the business. Now, obviously, for the purposes of the show, she's there so that we could see her business. But that's cool, too, because free publicity. So she so I'm not mad at her. But um, but yeah, so I think adding to that conversation with Jen was very telling about a number of things because the impression and you and I talked about this before coming on the impression that we both got and probably that everybody got from that first episode when she said she was uh, she was divorced and shifting away or kind of stepping back or whatever from the church because she likes everything that they're against, i.e. rap music, black men, <laughs> the LGBTQ community. Um, it definitely gave the impression that she had some epiphany that, you know, I want a different kind of life and that meant walking away from her marriage because maybe he wasn't down with it again, him coming from this rich Mormon family. So it turns out he left her. And so I think things begin to make a little bit more sense. Even her, um, her reaction to, uh, who was it? Her reaction to her cousin last week talking about going to Mary's church. I thought that her reaction seemed like she wasn't necessarily in favor of that. She didn't come out and say it, but she just seemed a little put off. And if you're the one who left the church, why would you care? So, yeah. um, so I think we're definitely getting some more insight into Heather and it kind of lessens it. it and no, I still feel like my advice to her last week was on point when I told her F Lisa girl, why do you care? You know, your rubber, she's glue, you know, I mean, whatever, exactly. uh, the whole nine yards. So, so I, I definitely, I, I definitely, I think that's your phone, sweetie. No, am I good now? Hello? Can you hear me? I can. I, I can hear you, but I was getting echo. So it seemed like there was echo for me coming through your phone. I'm only on one device, right? Yes, you're only on one device. Probably it's just unfortunate that because I'm on my cell phone that unfortunately as messages like notifications are coming in. Okay, that's okay, then that's good. That's what it was cuz the cell phone is fine. I think what it is okay. is every time a notification or something comes, comes in. in. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh that's fine. We're almost done. So the next we'll see guys this is what happens when you do stuff live so you're getting all the behind the scenes stuff too <laughs> so, but anywho so um all right so we know that uh she told us the husband left her definitely gives us insight as it relates to the insecurity that she has it all makes sense again i think she's a very likable character and somebody i would totally hang out with um, I just think that it's hard for her dating wise because because Utah because uh, Salt Lake City is such it's still Mormon she still observes even though she's not a practicing Mormon I still think in her growing up in that faith I still think she practices or she 
yeah. adheres a lot to the faith. So it still and limits she what he does. Mm-hmm. She has hangups. Yeah, so as like, free as she wants to be, she's not as free as she is truly is because she still observes or thinks of how the church will respond or act. Oh, absolutely. And certainly very concerned with how she's viewed. I mean, the fact that she was so upset about what Lisa said. Now, don't get me wrong. I would have an issue with somebody just talking some smack about me, especially when, like she said, on the one hand, you say you don't know, you know me. me, but then you know stuff about me. So which is it? Now, granted, I definitely we all know stuff um, about, about people that know that we don't know personally, but we yeah, just know fact, of them. may have even seen it, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but we don't know the person. We just seen them do what they do. Um, but in this particular case, Lisa did not see it personally nor does she acknowledge knowing her. So that would annoy me, but I don't, I, I think that you got to have some other hangups to have been that upset about it. And of course we know that there's producers behind the scenes pumping it up because they need to make the drama. Some drama. Mm -hmm. uh, some of that seemed pretty genuine because she still is kind of on it. Oh yeah, she's upset. Like yeah, she, I mean, she's no, in her feeling. Yeah, she's now really she's nowhere near on it the way that Jen is with Mary. But again, I think that there is a lot more behind the Jen and Mary thing that because Mary treats the whole scenario with Jen like she's so unbothered, that they're not getting beyond just the whole comment about the aunt. Because my understanding of the way that their relationship was described, even in some of the stuff I've read off, off camera or, you know, just kind of outside of the show, is that her and Mary weren't just passing acquaintances. They were actually friends. And also... When you look at, and I think that this is also something that got lost in translation with this whole argument. If you, and, and it's something you have to literally go back to episode one, which since is a stupid argument, you don't have to, but damn that memory of mine. That scene that they showed when they flash back, like on SpongeBob six months earlier in, <laughs> in episode one, Mary did not say, well, maybe she did later on, you smell like hospital to Jen. Now, she maybe she said it maybe later on. But if you recall, Mary was standing in the closet with the other lady for whatever reason they were either. I don't know if they were in Mary's closet or maybe or, or maybe they were in Jen's closet, like getting something for Jen to wear. But I distinctly remember they were in a closet because Mary was holding like a pair of pants or a pair of boots. And she said, smells like hospital. So it was like kind of an insult, like her stuff stinks. Now, don't get me wrong. Still nowhere near any reason for this to be something that was discussed longer than three minutes and exactly not the drama it became but 
I think some of, because of all that drama, a little bit of the context was lost. Um, it, because of, in terms of what exactly she said and when and why it was a level of insult. I do think that it becoming to the degree that it did, that it did was very much pumped up by the producers, no doubt. This was, as we know, there's there's producers. Each person has one that are kind of helping to feed them to push the behavior along. And of course, even more so because this is a first season and a completely new franchise. And these are a different kind of women that are really, it's kind of like New York. They're very, not that they are like New York. I'm just saying that the women on the New York franchise are in completely different than any other franchise. There's just, cause there's just a thing about New Yorkers and just, you know, it's just that thing. And you and I are, um, you know, we're from Jersey. So I think that we kind of get it. You can't even really explain it. It's kind of like being from Philly. It's just a yep. thing. And yeah. It, it, yeah, it's, it's just that thing. And then, of course, going to school where we did with so many New Yorkers, we get it. Um, but, you know, Atlanta, yeah, they've they've got a flavor. But, I mean, you could find women like Atlanta in pretty much anywhere where you find um, uh, Black people that, you know, a group of women, upper middle class, whatever, who or who have a little bit of money and um, you know, are living a certain way. Hell, you could, we could find women who act like Atlanta in Trenton who don't even have half their money, but manage to live ghetto fabulous anyway, because for whatever money the women on Atlanta and on Married to Medicine have, with the exception of uh, Dr. Jackie, they're ghetto fabulous. There is nothing classy or whatever about them. It is hood fabulous. It is exactly what, um, which a person like Candy doesn't mind. I mean, she hangs with like Rashida and Toya and all of them. But mm -hmm. it is exactly what um, what uh, Dwight described it perfectly, season one, and it applies across the board. Bougetto. Yep. Because uh, you know me and where I live, and I'm a member of all the or organizations and whatever, whatever. We wouldn't invite any of those women to uh, anything that we have or be like, oh, yeah, you're exactly who I want at the tea. I mean, at the women would probably be more like um, that kind Potomac. of transcend that exactly yeah. is Potomac. Now, Potomac has in some ways because they, of what they felt they needed to do for ratings has. Um, kind of veered off from what they thought they were attempting to be. Um, I, you know, not that women of a certain whatever don't cuss and whatever, whatever. I mean, hell, you know me, I cuss like a sailor. So it's, it's not like that. Um, but I just think that, uh, I think that Karen Huger would, if you want to show a different kind of, aside from the Atlanta Bougetto piece, you would be looking more towards a uh, Karen Huger and towards who uh, Giselle Bryant thinks she is as opposed to who she really is. Um, you would, it, it would really be more like Karen. 
Yes. Because, yes, Karen has cussed folks out a couple of times or whatever, but for the most part, she stayed on her chariot. Now, yes, yes. season one, she was a bit much with the whole etiquette thing or whatever. But again, I really I think that that was more producer driven because you got about five or six episodes in. You didn't hear that anymore. And of course, the more the season goes on, the more you meet the real her and you actually like her. It's she is one of those characters that um, is, is not always the case, obviously, as we've seen with some of these other women where you peel back the layers and she actually becomes more likable. Because a lot of these women, you peel back the layers and you're just like, oh, Lord, you needed to keep that front up, honey. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. As we say a lot, especially about some celebrities, not everybody should go on reality TV because you will literally ruin your brand. Uh, yes. And we saw that by none other than from the beginning, Miss Whitney Houston, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, and again, we're from Jersey, so we certainly so we knew the stories, we knew the deal, we know people who know people or whatever, but everybody else didn't know that, nor did they have to. No, <laughs> but unfortunately, being Bobby Brown really killed yeah, her brand. Um, she really did. Uh, we, yeah, we saw that with definitely a couple of people. Another one, um, Nikki Gilbert, R&B Oh, I used to really like her. It turned me off of her. I mean, I'm not saying if she put out a song that if she put a song out that was fly, I would probably listen to it. But as a person, I well did the same thing. What's her name from Philadelphia? Um, Lomo. Yes, Lord. And uh, what's her name from R&B Divas? Um, um, uh, what's his name? Baby Mama to um, what's his name? D'Angelo's Baby Mama. Um, Yes. uh, Um. And uh, and, Angie Stone, Angie, Angie Stone, Stone, you just saw and, different size people like nobody needed to see how crazy Kiki Wyatt is. I oh, mean, yeah. her having the babies shows enough of a little specialness, and of course, we already look at me making up words specialness, and her, <laughs> and of course, seeing um, you know, the marriages, and, and and remember, even before the show, like what was that two years before she came on the show. You know, every there was the whole thing with the with the ex-husband because I mean, granted, he was abusing her, but unfortunately, women always catch hell when you fight back because remember she stabbed him. Mm-hmm. So she was already getting the crazy on her from yeah. that, even though mm-hmm. she was uh even though she was uh oh thank you, Professor. Um, even though she was um being abused, but we know how that goes. Well, anyway, so, oh my gosh. And thank you, Professor. Charita and I have a great time. She, This is her first time guesting, but clearly not. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, at any rate, so we know we're going to go back to um, the the next thing that happens is the party, right? So we got to get back to the show. We were talking about the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, but these women take Wait. us all over the place. They really do. <laughs> okay, so. Now we're going to talk about the party. Now, we didn't get much into the party, so I just want to deal with the fashion. Now, we actually had two parties in this episode, right? We had um, we had the shower 
in white. Now, you already know how I feel about white parties. Uh, and you know how I feel about white parties. I love a good white party. Love a good white party. You love a good white party. I feel like they're played out. So um, <laughs> it drives me crazy. But I at love least, a good white party. <laughs> but at least for once, this wasn't black people doing a white party. So this was actually white people doing a white party. Because, you know, I usually get mad about black people always doing a, black, a white party. So once Diddy started doing that in the Hamptons, everybody lost their damn minds. So it was actually very cute, though, especially because they're in Utah and snow. and Exactly. Just, yeah, it, it was just really adorable. And, of course, you know, because they're all having boys, which, again, freaky you would think they would do blue and all of that. So I thought that was very sweet. And it does seem that her whole um, thing was about purity. And apparently this was all of their first babies, I think. Didn't she say that? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I thought that was cute. The cars. Oh my gosh. Just adorbs. The, the outfits. I thought her jumpsuit was very cute, very flattering on her. Um, now we're talking about Heather because the, a couple of the things she wore didn't do her justice. I mean, she's a thicker woman, but I mean, she got to go. But she's, a she's a shapely thicker. She's a she's solid. She's not fat. She's, yeah, not she's solid. Yes. She's solid, but she's a shapely solid woman. She has the curves. She has the curves. It's like she goes to the gym. She does. Yes. It, like she. That's just her build. But yeah. she definitely isn't sloppy. Um, but when you have that shape, you still have to watch what you wear. But that jumpsuit was rocking. Yes, it was. I do agree. Yeah, I thought she slayed. Um, Whitney is always fly. Although I chuckled when she came to church. I was like, Whitney, you cute. But I don't know if you need to be wearing these like black liquid uh, pencil pads up in the church house. <laughs> Okay, remember I said Whitney slays all the time, but I don't know, girl. <laughs> I don't think she realizes, like, and it is and something that's a part of the Pentecostal church that we are still of a certain dress and you go a certain form of fashion. So you fairness, and I knowing this, she doesn't know that. But in fairness, she was covered up, though, because really with yeah. Pentecostals, that's the big thing is being covered up because that is... Um, a question that I'm asking about Mary in those white tights in the loofah dress, because forever that's going to be the loofah dress. <laughs> the loofah Jen dress. Said I, that. With you. I was like, yes, <laughs> Jen was Jen with the loofah dress. So, <laughs> but she, um, yes, Whitney slayed there. She, I like Whitney tends to keep a very sleek silhouette. She mm -hmm. has, um, she's not curvy, but she's not washboard boring up and down either. But I think she likes to play to her slender figure and it works for her. She dresses to me like the way that Tyra used to tell the top models they should dress when they go to when they come to the judging. Yes. Don't you think like very clean lines? Nice. Um, I thought she was the best dressed at that first party with that little uh, short uh, black cape dress. That was yeah. fly. Um, but pretty much she does. If you notice everything like the nice sleek line, slim pants, not a whole lot of bulk. She knows what works for her and she sticks to it. And I like that now. Uh, but I will tell you who slayed overdressed. But when you slay, you slay. 
is Miss Jen. Yes. Jen I love her. I do. With the feathers. Jen, with, go ahead. No, I said with her fashions, I love her. I, I love her fashion. Jen for the win with the feathers. When she, I, I laughed too, and I think I typed it on the FNBD that Jen wore, <laughs> that, that Jen wore uh, what Sheree was trying to do at Cynthia's yes. wedding. Remember Cynthia had them feathers that looked like she went to Hobby Lobby? Yes. Mm. Oh my gosh. And why do I know someone who had, in fact, I have two sources, because remember I was giving you all some of the inside scoop. I literally had two sources from that event. One person that did, uh, you know, hair and makeup, because you know my source who gets me the hair and makeup scoop. So I mm -hmm. we had that. And then another FNDD um, person on the page, I think you may have even seen her talk about it on the page, who had a friend there who sent her some detailed pictures from actually being there. And yes, feathers were literally falling on the floor. Mm. We're talking about Sheree, not Jen, because we know mm. Jen was male, well made. And that belt, what? I said, what, oh. Heffer? And the shoes, although I am not into the strapping all the way up the leg because it's just not my thing, she rocked it. She oh, yeah, so look on her. You got to have a certain leg. She has the leg to wear it. She has she those dancer legs. Rihanna leg. level rocking that because you know Rihanna's mm. going to give you a leg strap too. I mean, mm -hmm. she just did the damn thing. Uh, totally over the top, <laughs> but she did it. Um, hi, what's that? Z-Ray Mahari 8. So love that. Then, um, so we go to the main party. Love that Jen had her glam squad do a run through. And I'm going to tell you, if I had uh, that kind of access, I would do the same thing. Especially yeah. because it because you gotta remember is I mean I'm sure people are like oh she's doing too much but again what we forget is she's not just dressing for the party she's also dressing for the fact that this party is going to be filmed that is something that Jen would for a newbie to the housewives. To be conscious of that. Pay yep. attention and knows the game. It's just like when they say, um, as you and I, because we do the whole fashion review thing, as we know from years and years of Oscars and Emmys and what have you, your team and you, but mainly your team, because you know, you don't really see yourself well, needs to have you standing, sitting, walking, walking on the carpet that you're going to be walking on and taking photographs. And if possible, taking photographs with HD, taking photographs with flash, without flash. If you have a certain amount of money and you're going to an event on that level, that is the least of which they should be doing. If you're going to be trying on 50 dresses, then in addition to trying them on, you got to also, especially when you choose that top two or three, then you have to put all of those elements together because what looks good standing does not look good sitting. It may not look good walking. How is that going to work after you sat in a car for 30 minutes? There is nothing. How is it going to look against the red carpet now and the backdrop? Exactly. You have to know all that. 
you have to know all of that. And it's possible if you have somebody on the inside, what's the backdrop going to look like? Are they going to do a floor mm -hmm. backdrop? Are they going to keep it simple? And you're just going to be walking in front of the backdrops for the individual networks, which you can't control. What is the situation going to be? And if you're, you are a list enough, you can actually make arrangements not to stand in front of any of that bullshit that anybody who wants a picture of you has to come to the point on the carpet where you are willing to be photographed. Other than that, the only pictures you're going to get of me is when I am walking by. That is correct. So, um, because again, if you are A-list enough and you have the right people, these are arrangements that should be made for you. So uh, kudos to Jen Yes, let's get my hair right. Let's get my dress right. And best dressed at that event goes to, again, Whitney and Jen. Now, I do know we had a person on the page who had an issue with the train. I will say for a regular party, that is probably the only downgrade I will give her. But not much of one because mama loves a train. It's just mm -hmm. that I think her train should have been a, more of a puddle train. You know, that just mm -hmm. that slightly round train, just enough to say you have one, yes. not a, you know, I mean, of course, she didn't have a cathedral length train, but it probably was at least quarter cathedral. I mean, it was it was pretty long and it definitely was too long for a party. It had too much. of Here comes the bride. Yes. Like you said, yeah. it was too well, much for a party. Well, exactly. Because ultimately and, and, and you could look at that dress and tell it was very heavy. You know, it looked like almost like a um, that kind of material that you would use for like a jacquard kind of thing. It was a very heavy but beautiful material. And you could also tell because of the way the dress moved or more so the way the dress didn't move, that that material was not. In, in, and you could see even when they scrunched it around her, that was not going to be something that was going to be easy for her to maneuver, to walk around and party. Because at the end of the day, this was a party. I don't have a problem with the fact that it was a gown because this was a period party. And when you're doing a period party, whatever works for the period is what you wear. And just because that period is 1920s doesn't mean you have to automatically go with a flapper dress. So she was on theme. In fact, I another reason I liked it is because to me, her dress was more so of a Harlem Renaissance version of mm -hmm. the twins. Don't you think? With the pearls yeah. and the hairdo. So she not only did it for me because of the dress, it was also a, a step above in terms of the thought put into the look, even from a cultural standpoint. So I like that. I do agree with uh, David on our FNDD page about the, yes. um, about the train. I, uh, I mean, it was, I liked it, but it was a little too much for a party when you're yeah, mixing and mingling. It's a little it too much. It's been a puddle train, you know, the one that is yeah. just just the you know how you get it a little bit round, round and around it touches the ground and rounds out just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since I believe um, just from memory that it had like the V split up the front. So like the little round train in the back actually would have worked perfectly with how the dress was um, how the dress was designed at the bottom. So that was great. And notice we spent a lot on the fashion because there really wasn't much. I think the, the crux of this party we're going to get next week. We all the yeah. only thing we really got from the party was just seeing that it was a cool effing party. <laughs> it was. It 
had a party almost every episode since the show's been on, though. Uh, and they're bringing it with the parties. And again, this is why we watch the Housewives. We don't get to do this, so we watch the show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we get a party or the, the leftover from the last party. You are you are absolutely right. We ended the first episode with the party, came in with the party on the second episode, and then this one, we had two parties. Exactly. I'm which like is what we watch the housewives for because in our minds this is what rich people do they get dressed up and go to parties so um at any rate i thought that that was i thought it was really cool i loved uh i love the looks i love everything that they did as as it relates to that um i just thought that uh as we saw that jen was doing too much and it just hurts my feelings when she does too much because i like her I like her until she becomes extra, like, and I know you have to, controversy keeps you I think she's being badly produced. Whoever is the person behind, you know, her, uh, her personal producer doesn't realize that in her overall character, they have a gem without yeah. having her do extra. She is extra. She is just walking in the room. She's, yeah, she's, she's, she, yeah, she is extra. And I think that they are like, oh, make a fight because of this or do it. You don't have to do that. Jen is extra. <coughs> Excuse me. And that's fine. So it's unfortunate because what I don't want for her is for us to get to the end of the season and people be burned out on her before we even get to season two, because I don't want to see her become a villain. I think she is going to have some villain in her because we know that it looks like any controversy she's going to be involved in. Mm -hmm. I don't have an issue with that so much because if you have a friend with a big mouth, any controversy that goes on, even if it's not their controversy, they're probably going to be involved in if for no other reason than they're always going to have an opinion. Yep, they're always going to give their two cents. <laughs> exactly. So if if you have somebody who's always going to have give their two cents, then they're going to be involved in the controversy. Um, I don't want it to get to the point where people hate her. I, I am fine with the fact that she's the person who you will have a love-hate relationship with, but I don't want her to get to the point of hate-hate. Because like, unfortunately, I think that the, the, unfortunately for her, the Housewife franchise has been going on for so long that, um, that people don't have as much patience as they used to with riding up and down with the characters. You know what I mean? Like we've oh, rode definitely. up and down with Nene. We rode mm -hmm. up and down with Teresa. Even Melissa, we kind of rode up and down with. Whereas now there's some people who like Melissa more than Teresa. Now people kind of came back to Teresa a little bit because of the divorce or whatever. But when you base it on some of the actions, especially in the last season in particular, because of some stuff that went down between the ladies and then seeing what Teresa's real role was in it, especially with Danielle, you came mm -hmm. out liking Melissa better, even though the show has pretty much become the Teresa's show. 
Um, so Tamara and Vicky were a little bit harder to ride the ride it up and down with, but we kind of did. I I mean, you didn't totally hate them the entire time. I, I think that Vicky's relationships made you get to the point of hating her because like, wasn't her dude's name Brooks too? Yes, Brooks was her dude yeah, too. And that whole cancer thing and all of that, it was like, come the freak. Nobody ever, nobody ever saw a test still, so Brooks is still questionable. Yeah, that whole thing. Um, you know, we have definitely rode the roller coaster with Kim Richards. Um, yeah. Kyle, we've rode the roller coaster with her, but I think, you know, for the most part, we're at hate hate with her instead of love hate. Um you know, because I, and I think it's because she's so uh, throw the rock, hide her hand that it's just gotten to the point of intolerable. Um, well, what you're saying, exactly why people, like you said, the intolerance is Wendy Osefo on Potomac's only been on one season. She got more hate than love. In absolutely. Whereas yeah. in the past, I think people would have wrote it out with her a little bit. I also think exactly. that the fact that social media plays such a huge role in these shows, even when they don't even talk about the stuff on the show, but because there is so much that goes on behind the scenes on social media, the women have issues on the show that the audience doesn't even totally understand. I mean, that is for sure, for sure, what has happened on The Real Housewives of Potomac. I mean, the entirety of The Real Housewives of Potomac. It is also, and I mean, there was some of it shown on The Real Housewives of Potomac, but a good amount of that, especially the whole thing, which I think we're going to really finally clue in the non-social media watching audience. Uh, It's my understanding that um, the non-social media watching audience will get a little bit more clued in in the reunion to more of it, especially how deeply Giselle Bryant's role goes into it. But one of the shows is that we definitely saw the role that social media plays in all of this, which makes it terribly confusing for the audience, it's especially when you ha- then have the person kind of flipping the on and off victim switch, which c- again can make them intolerable in a lot of ways, is the Real Housewives of Atlanta reunion. Because mm-hmm. Nene flat out antagonized these women relentlessly on social media leading up to that reunion. And every last one of them pretty much said the exact same thing. I'll see you at the reunion. And then when you got to the reunion and those women who warned her, I will see you at the reunion, came out guns blazing all of a sudden she's like, uh, you know, the supreme and victim and whatever, whatever. You weren't sure who to like, but then she kind of showed herself when she hung up and blah, 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 and what, what have you. But all of this to say that people's tolerance is a lot lower for riding that roller coaster. So the women don't get as many chances as they used to to um, 
make you love them enough to say, okay, she's being extra, but that's still my girl. Because folks absolutely let Nene get away with murder. And I mean, to a certain degree still do, because there's a lot of people who still buy the whole victim thing. But I mean, and and you're a Nene lover too. Let's call it a spade a spade. I'm not even telling you not the lover, but uh, she has gotten away with murder in terms of people still riding for her over the years because they liked her so much in the beginning. There's been a lot of things that were excused, especially like for her and Peter, some of the stuff with her and Kim, um, especially that time with her and Kim on that bus, as much as I don't like Kim, that that whole situation was all about her antagonizing her and putting her hands on her. She was in that woman's personal space before she put her hands on her. And she's exactly. like, oh, Kim's just being dramatic. No, you were in her personal space and you touched her. Yeah. And they had to pull and, you back. Um, even the situation with Sheree with the Trump money thing and, and yes. all of that, that whole thing, that's why you notice she started talking over the guy when Sheree called him because she did stop that, that opportunity for Sheree knowing that Sheree, it was nowhere near as popular as her in terms of the opportunities that Nene gets versus what Sheree was getting. And so it is a big thing if she loses an opportunity um, because someone scoops it who is who can get 50 opportunities to her one. Exactly. Um, and so, but again, if you like the person, you will excuse them. But we have done this for 15 years with these women. So like you said, with the example of Wendy Osefo, you're not going to get a a lot of chances. The people are not going to, people are not um, being understanding about her constantly talking about the degrees because of her culture and how it's, it just means a, it's it just means something on a whole other level to be from her culture and um, have that level of education and all of that. Um, and then I mean, granted, she's kind of played herself a little bit too with getting um, you know like with that first outburst at Monique's house against Ashley, and then well, even recently with the thing with Ashley and being so like all up uh, Giselle and Robin's ass with the Monique thing. But um, so yes, she has, uh, you know, done some, some things, but nothing that really should have made people necessarily hate her. Because if you're going to be on a show, you got to kind of join in. Cause on the flip side, if she sits there and does nothing, then people will say she shouldn't be on the show because she's not bringing anything. Exactly. Kind of like a first season Contessa on Married to Medicine. Now, I thought that the storyline with her and her family and Montel Jones's mama and all of that (laughs) was interesting. But, you know, it's but that and it was interesting. And the show was about Married to Medicine. So that should be enough. But people are used to seeing the interaction and bullshit between the women and she did not engage in all of that. Even when um, Heavenly was calling her Kuntessa, she was just like, whatever, bitch, and ignored her. 
people didn't like that. So then the following season, she had to actually get her hands a, a little dirty. A dirty, exactly. Um, and so Wendy, uh, you know, came out guns blazing doing that. But again, it goes back to what I, I you know, we said. I think, um, I think there's just a lack of tolerance because the shows, the shows have been on too long. And so the newer women have a different, um, a different tightrope to walk with, uh, with the public. And uh, for me, with Jen in particular, it is clear that the stars of this show was were meant to be Jen and Heather. Yes, uh, but I don't want people to stop liking the Jen. Like I you said, they can easily get stop onto liking her, liking her, because I think she's a very likable character. She she's is. a strong character. First of all, strong always. You're going to have some people that's going to be a little put off. Well, no, there's going to be a love hate with her no matter what because right, yeah. she is no doubt she is. Ah, you know, I mean, we we can't we can't pretend that she isn't. But I also think that that is that can be fun. Like again. Those are two people that I would hang with. Well, that's why Nini was so popular in her first time. season. Because <laughs> Nini, Nini was loud. She that's what Nini was. Nini was the perfect blend. That's why she became the breakout star of Atlanta Housewives from season one, because she was loud. Sometimes she was a little argumentative, but she had a certain she knew a line not to cross the first season. Well, I so it made her so, likable. I, I think with Nini too, remember it was a different I don't even know if it was a matter of crossing lines because there there was really not any, there was some conflict, but it was nowhere near the stuff that began to occur. It's gotten to, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, second, third, fourth season. I also think that um, Nene, and again, it was early on in the franchise. It, Atlanta changed the, the game of all yes, it did. shows because they brought that flavor with the reads and all of that their um the ratings shot up and then really all of the shows kind of shifted to be actually a little more combative because then jersey came out like literally the mafia mm -hmm. and i mean they they really played that up. They will probably pretend they didn't, but they 100% did with that whole Manzo, Caroline, don't go against the family kind of thing. And then Teresa and the big Italian family and then and flipping tables and all kinds of stuff. Now, granted, I don't think that was scripted. We have seen that chick. She may have gotten better over the years, but maybe that was some therapy she got in jail because both Teresa and her brother uh, have have proven to be unstable on more than one occasion. They can say what they want about Danielle's style, but uh, there's there's something real special about those two with the big forehead and the wide eyes. Um, but uh, yeah, so I I just I'm I'm hoping that although it looking at the previews for the season. I don't know. And remember, this is the first season, so they probably, that's the other tough part. The season is probably not going to be long enough to give any of the characters enough of an arc for us to see them go through any type of evolution or even resolution of whatever issues they have. 
I think it'll be like, you know, gangbusters right through to whatever reunion they decide to do and see how that works out. But um, in terms of how, uh, in terms of their uh, behavior leading, um, leading up to that, because it's the first season, typically uh, Bravo never really goes beyond about 10 to 12 episodes for a first season. And given that they have given us a lot in these three seasons, in these three episodes, they probably won't go beyond 10 or 12. Because if you think about it, we've gotten a lot with these three episodes. Yes, we have. I mean, this is probably the slowest and, and not in a bad way. I mean, just kind of less frantic. This is probably the slowest episode. And granted, there's only been three of the three. When you consider that we got introduced to all six of the housewives in that first episode and a party and a primary conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, second episode, not only the primary conflict, but an entirely separate conflict, more home life and a trip and conflict somewhat resolution-ish. That is a lot for two episodes. So while they may have like, for instance, in the case of Jen, maybe overproduced a, a character or two, from the standpoint of how this has been put together, or maybe because they've had so much time to do it, it has been very well put together in terms of grabbing people. I think the problem with it not getting the audience it deserves is the day and time. They put it on after OC, which is absolutely dreadful. Dreadful. And it not only have they put it on after a show that's dreadful, but after the show at 10 o'clock. I mean, for God's sakes, you don't need two episodes of the OC before this when the show is so bad. And yeah. I'm also wondering why they wouldn't do what they've typically done with every Housewives show, which is put it on on Sunday night, even if just a couple of times so that people could see it. Because I don't feel like you don't, because essentially if you look at Sunday night, Sunday night is basically Potomac on repeat and mm, then yeah. watch what happens episode and then Potomac on repeat again. And while Potomac has definitely been pretty good, I don't think it's as good as they think it is. While Potomac has been pretty good, especially compared to um, Atlanta, which was not good last season at all. I mean, the, the reunion was the best thing about the whole season. Um, it compared to Atlanta, compared to Beverly Hills, because again, Beverly Hills, you just pretty much had them pile on Denise Richards from episode one, and they kept it up through the entire season. The only thing that changed was the reason. They started out with beating her up about the whole threesome conversation at her house. And then they ended it by bringing Brandy on to beat her up about sleeping with Brandy. But it was, it was tiresome and annoying and nobody wanted to see that after a while. The same thing with Potomac. It, you know, the entire season was the buildup to the fight. And now they've just pretty much beat a dead horse 
you beat the fight to death since then. So yeah. we so to have two and three hours of that, considering that it is a continual regurgitation of the same thing over and over. Nobody knew is pregnant. The whole alleged uh, Bryant storyline is a complete dud and obviously fake. Um, it, do, does anybody really care about Robin Juan? It's it's no. just it's just a lot of time wasted that could go towards promoting a show that they clearly put a lot of effort into and it's not getting the audience it deserves in my opinion. So, cause no way it's numbers should be as low or lower than the OC and right now they are, but that's because nobody watches the OC. No. Yeah. So it's pretty bad. So it's pretty bad. Well, I, I think Bravo has made Sunday night um, the ethnic night because that's when all the ethnic shows Married to Medicine, Atlanta Housewives, uh, Potomac Housewives. Uh, yeah, because, well, and they, and they, because remember at one point they did shift uh, Married to Medicine to Friday, but then they thought better of it and bring it back. But to yeah. be honest, uh, Salt Lake City is one of their most diverse shows ever. And it is diverse in an organic way. It's not like Atlanta where, yes, while I get that Kim and Nene were real friends, it still felt like just a random white woman thrown in the mix of it, especially when as the show went on and she got with her husband, who clearly ain't got no love for Black people, um, you started to see some stuff with her that was not real cool as it relates to the women who helped to put her on the map by her being on the show with them. So, and I'm going to leave it with that, but you know what I'm saying? So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that was, yeah, I I think I get what you're saying about, I agree with you about it being kind of like we used to say when we would go to that one spot with uh, on Tuesdays at college, it was black night. But golden rail, yeah, black night. But if you think about it, Salt Lake City is their most organically diverse of all of them. Again, Garcelle, I love her as an addition to Beverly Hills, but clearly she was just plopped in there. Yes, she's friends yeah. with Denise Richards, and they did seem to genuinely be friends. But even Denise Richards was just plopped into the show too, with no real relationship with them. Um, now they've got a black woman on uh, Real Housewives of New York. From what I understand, it's going well because I've I've been following the uh, the buzz about it. But even with that, she's kind of plopped in, and her primary friendship is with somebody else who was new to the show last year. Because her primary relationship is with Leah. Um, excuse me, it's with Leah, and isn't Leah new too? And sort of barely kind of fitting in with the women because she's like 10, 15 years younger than all of them. And this, you know, and again, I'm glad that, a, you know, the, the other sister got a job, but um, it, none of those pairings seem to be organic. Now, Miami was because, yeah. you know, you had like the whole uh, Hispanic thing, but 
I personally think that, yes, it's Utah and that part of it seems very white, but the cast itself is, uh, again, to me, they're most naturally diverse, religiously diverse, um, you know, the races and all of that. And again, not just kind of thrown together because Mary is just as native to Utah as the rest of them. Mm hmm um and uh so and and although um uh what's her name Jen is obviously not from Utah she is Mormon by faith so again very much connected to that whole community and she didn't unlike the other housewives shows she didn't just pretend that she lived there just to be on the show her and her family are a part of the community, community and yes she, has actual relationships with these women. So um, I think it would work, even though like when you look at it and you go, Utah. Um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I think uh, Utah, cause I, I hope that they stick with it. Um, I think that Utah may be one of the ones where they're going to have to probably uh, do what Bravo does best, which is marathon run it uh, once it's done over the holidays and all of that. I have no doubt the reunion will probably be off the chain. Um, of course. They'll have to marathon run it over the holidays and whatever, build up an audience for it and then make a decision then. But I, I do hope that they don't just go by the ratings because they have to know that, you know, they put it on behind a shitty show. Um, and the OC started, the OC season started before Utah. So they already saw that the, the OC ratings were, were low. Mm-hmm. Um, OC is because I watched like three episodes and I'm like, okay, for one, I did stop watching for a while. So yeah, all so the characters. Who are these people? Yeah, who are these people? But even watching them, I'm not impressed with them. Like, and I'm not saying that you have to live super fabulous like Beverly Hills. OC is Orange County. That could be anywhere. But the fabulousness of what OC used to be, and now they look like regular basic women like you and I. And I'm not saying it rudely, but like you said, I want to pay to see. Like you said, I want to see y'all go to fabulous parties and fabulous trips and fabulous. If I see some regular ass people, I could watch Love and Hip Hop, 90 Day Fiance, uh, exactly. Chantel, all those. And quite frankly, I love that the lockup. I could watch Love regular folks. Exactly. You know what? And we're about to go because we have hit two hours. I can't <laughs> but anybody that listens knows this would be a fly conversation. But I will tell you, and you guys, we have some stuff to talk about with Lisa Ray. So, but we, oh, yeah. Yes. But what we'll do is I'm going to rest my voice and then we're going to come back and do that later because I know you probably need to do the same. Um, but uh, I, I think love, you know who it must be and uh, it must be driving crazy. Oh, my God. Can you imagine how um, Andrea from Love After Lockup, it must be driving her crazy to see that there is a real housewives up there in Utah and her butt is clowning for, for chump change. Not that she would have made it on the show, but we know yeah. that she's just narcissistic enough to think that she could have been. So it must be driving her insane to see that there's a real housewives and they're talking about Mormonism and all this stuff. And she over there on a uh, we clowning for peanuts married to a convict for love after lockup. <laughs> you know that she is just narcissistic enough to be like, I could have been on that show. 
Yes, she really thinks she could have been. No, there is no in her mind. In in her mind, yes, she really believes she could (laughs) have. Well, um, thank you. Stay on for a second, but uh, just to say goodbye to everybody. But thank you so much for doing this because you know we have talked about this for a minute that one of these shows, and we knew it was going to be one of the housewives shows where we were going to have to team up. It just took me a little bit to figure out the technology to do it. <laughs> so thank goodness for, uh, for my son as it relates to that. But um, everyone, thank you for this and, and for hanging with us on this live. Yes, it did go a little long, but it, I mean, it was fun and the show was fun and you probably got some insight into the fact that I am an absolute TV watcher and both Sharita and I are reality show connoisseurs. So if mm, yeah. you are, <laughs> so <laughs> if you hang with us for these reviews, you will definitely get uh, the real deal. They won't always be two hours long, but this was our first time getting together. And so we just had so much to say um, about it. So, but I want to give a round of applause and a cheer to my co-host in reality foolishness, Sharita. Here she goes. Yay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's my sound effect. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And so um, you can listen to this show because although it's live right now, I'm going to be putting it up as soon as it renders in about an hour. So this will be on the air on all platforms, of course, here on Podbean and anywhere else that you listen to podcasts, including Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio. If you have iTunes, please go on and leave us a five-star review and comment. And as you know, I don't just talk about the shows and fun stuff. I talk about all kinds of topics. So feel free to follow up with me on my social media platforms, which you will see in the info box. And feel free to tweet me or go into my DMs at Let's Be Honest on Instagram and uh, Twitter. That is L-E-T-S-B-E-H-O-N-E-S-T-J-J for Just Jonda. And as always, if you're thinking about it and want to talk about it, I'm probably thinking about it and want to talk about it with you or Sharita, especially if it's a reality show. So... So let's be honest together. And I, I'm trying to get my music. So there we go. So let's be honest together. Good night. Good night.